let me just say this uh, real quick because um, I don't know if I said it this morning, actually. I did say how I love this church and I love coming here, but it is a real privilege um, to come here to Plymouth and um, to be with you guys as a church family. And I really was, um, you know, excited and looking forward to what we did on um, Saturday and talking about the whole theme of offended. I really felt, uh, you know, before I got here that, you know, many of the things that I uh, was sensing that the Lord wanted to say and, and do, I felt like, um, you know, those are the beginnings of kind of, uh, you know, what the Lord's working on. And, um, and then this morning, um, it's just a fantastic church and coming together and seeing the Holy Spirit move and seeing people get ministry. And I mean, it really is so incredible. Um, and so thank you for having me and, uh, thank you for trusting me and, uh, it's been good to be here. So I'm going to, um, just share a bit more tonight. I'm going to do, um, I'm it, the theme basically, uh, you know, on offense and on offended. Um, but I'm going to, um, I'm going to adjust this just a little bit because one of the things that I was um, sensing uh, yesterday um, with the leaders and then also again uh, this morning um, I just I wanted to just change this a little bit which is kind of like nothing you never really kind of want to do that but um, I think it's the Lord and so we're going to go with it and um, but the foundation and the theme is definitely um, where I want to dive in again to um, uh, to the theme of offense, and I'm going to uh, uh, talk about some of the things that I um, hopefully will encourage and challenge you in. And then also, I think, um, on a, a really important aspect when we talk about um, the reasons why we want to live uh, free of offense. And, you know, there's always a payoff on why we say yes or no to things. And I think sometimes knowing what uh, those things are, are so very important. So I'm going to build a little bit here tonight from this morning. Um, but I, I first want to just remind us, you know, how the Bible talks about, you know, one of, one of my, uh, I shouldn't say this because there's so many things that I love about God's word. And, um, but one thing that I really do love in particular is reading through the Psalms and, and Proverbs and I love reading, um, I love reading through them, uh, you know, in, you know, my, uh, in the NIV, and then I love reading them in the message, and then I love praying them over, over my, my children, and, um, and they just, uh, you know, throughout the years where I can look back at things that I've written down and promises that I feel like God's made to me that didn't make any sense in the time, and um, some of them still don't. <laughs> Um, but I mean, that's the power of God's word where, you know, he'll speak something to us. And if we just, um, remember those things and hold on to those promises. And I, I find the book of Proverbs, which is a book of wisdom. I mean, there's a reason why God gives us wisdom, right? Um, and also I find the Psalms, you know, where, um, David is so honest, uh, you know, with God about how he felt. And, um, I can just relate how many can relate to that. And um, I, you know, relate to his humanity and I relate to his honesty. And the book of Proverbs is a book that's all full of wisdom and reminds us why we need wisdom. And, um, and that if we, if we don't uh, seek wisdom, um, then it's not going to be found. We have to be intentional with that. We have to read God's word. We have to meditate on it. We have to chew on it. We have to 
allow it to go deep within us. Proverbs 4.23 talks about, and this is a key verse, uh, I think, for us as believers and, and the theme of what we've been talking about the last several days. And that is in uh, chapter 4.23 where it says, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So that's a very powerful verse. If, you, if we just dissected that verse alone, that our heart is our central line and everything we do comes from uh, our heart. And how healthy our heart is really is an indicator of how healthy our life is. And so everything that comes from our life eventually, you know, makes its way out of our mouth because what we think about is in our heart and whatever's in our heart gets in our mouth and whatever in our mouth eventually falls out. That's the truth, right? Um, so how healthy our heart is really is determined by, uh, you know, how our, our life is and the fruit that we have on our life. And so I said this this morning, and so those of you that weren't here this morning, I talked a bit about offense, and I really talked about the theme of forgiveness and and the importance of knowing that those are the warning words of Jesus, that offense will happen, offense will come. And so we need to be prepared, and we need to fight smart. And sometimes I think in the church we fight hard, but we don't fight smart. And so when offended, how will we respond? And um, the Bible has a lot to say about offense, and has a lot to say about forgiveness, and has a lot to say about when we hold on to unforgiveness, what that does to our heart, it basically allows an infection uh, to enter into our, our root system, which causes disease, by the way. Um, and so if you don't like what's spilling from your life, you have to see what it is that you're feeding yourself. You have to look at your root system. You have to see what's diseased, and you have to deal with those things. So, like, if I had, you know, cancer in my pinky, and I just said, you know, well, you know, it's just in my pinky. I'm just going to let it, let it go. You know, it's, it can't be that big of a deal. It's just my pinky. But eventually, if I don't deal with that infection, it's going gonna, it's gonna to kill me. And I think many times when we are offended and when we are hurt, we, we tend to kind of brush them off like it doesn't matter. It's not that big of a deal. And the... The, the enemy is really good at doing pile-ups, and he's really good at getting us at all the little things over and over and over again. And then eventually, you know, that, that infection begins to grow, and it just starts spilling from our life. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to look at um, what happens, because this morning, if you weren't here then you should probably just listen to the message itself because we're going to follow you home and make sure that you do. <laughs> I just want to make sure you're listening. Um, because I did talk about forgiveness, and I want to just dive a little bit deeper in what happens because there is a pattern. There's basically a ripple effect, um, you know, towards the good things of the kingdom and then also the things that infect us and the things that actually cause us harm. And one of the things that causes us harm in unforgiveness is it doesn't just go away with time. Like, time does not heal all of our wounds. That's a lie. Um, you know, just because we, um, you know, swallow things doesn't mean they go away. In fact, what you swallow will make you sick. And if we just kind of play like things are not happening, eventually that will catch up with you and you will implode or explode. And so nobody's above that, actually. Like the infections in life that when we don't deal with unforgiveness, that actually gives birth to bitterness, bitterness. 
And bitterness undealt with actually, you know, kind of, um, kind of reveals itself in resentment. And resentment sort of plays out as in, um, you know, really angry at how everything has happened to me. And, you know, people don't just have a victim mentality. They've learned to live like that. You know what I mean? So that's a building up of resentment of not dealing with the little things, you know, uh, at the end of the day that come at us. And if you don't stay on top of that stuff, if you don't take, if you don't deal with those things upon your heart, they will infect your heart. And so Hebrews talks about the importance of, and this is actually in the study I did, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of it because bitterness is such a massive topic. I'm going to tell you, like, bitterness really is so destructive. Unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment. And sometimes we think it's going to be money, power, and sex that really destroys people's lives. And yeah, but those are really just symptoms. It's usually coming from unresolved stuff undealt with. But at the end of the day, that's the root of it. It's power. It's, it's, the, it's, the, under, it's the things underneath that have not been, uh, you know, resolved in a sense. So Hebrews chapter 12 talks about um, uh, bitterness. And it says this, chapter 12, verse 15. This is in the message, okay? It says, work at getting along with each other and with God. Otherwise, you will never get so much as a glimpse of God. Make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. Keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent a thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time in the NIV it says this at the end see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many I love that because it talks about the grace of God it's so good of God isn't it like he always gives us a grace um, to be able to face the things that we need to face in life. But the, the, the truth there, what the scripture is saying is that unresolved offenses grow. They don't lie dormant, they grow. And when we are offended, if we don't deal with it, we can sin in that offense. And when we offend others, that is sinful behavior. And so, so many people think that holding on to offenses um, and, you know, uh, just kind of letting stuff go is like being the bigger person. But at the end of the day, in some respects of not, you know, looking for a fight everywhere, but just playing like things don't happen is not the healthiest thing. And God has called us to be whole. We are body, soul, and spirit. And we're called to grow in all three areas of our life, emotionally, spiritually, as well as physically. That's what God's called us to. It's all every part of who we are. So think about a bitter person. Uh, the truth is, somebody who's really bitter has very few friends. Because it's really hard to be around. It's really hard to be around when somebody's regurgitating the same stuff over and over and over again. How many know that's true? It's really hard to be around. And if that's you, I'm really sorry because I know that that's coming from pain. But I also know that there's a, there's a resolve to that. There's someone that can fix that. There's someone that can bring healing to that. But usually bitter people are really unhappy because they're always replaying the past. And how haunting is that? So in Hebrews here, it talks about that a bitter root literally grows up. And what that means is that that root will spring up, it will spread, it will go all around you. This is where we get unhealthy spillage from our, from our heart. This is what it looks like. 
When somebody is bitter, they're just spilling all over the place. That's what that looks like. Our heart is spilling where there's a little bit of rot in our roots. And the truth is, at the end of the day, all of us have a little bit of rot. All of us have things we have to deal with. Is that not true? And so when God brings those things to light, that's when we have to deal with them. And we have to get healed with them so that we're not continuing on this road that's so damaging. And here's the thing. Someone doesn't just wake up angry. Someone doesn't just wake up bitter. That is, a, that is a slow process of life and those little things that are undealt with. And then all of a sudden, you wake up and you look at yourself and you're like, how did I get here? Is that not true? That is so true. I remember years ago, my uh, son John, this was a really long time ago. <laughs> yeah, a long time ago. Because John, my boy, was probably only three or so, and we were at the beach, and we love going to the beach, you know, like, it's a lot like your beaches here, <laughs> and, um, and so we were at the beach, and I remember, so you have to, you know, you have to keep an eye out, because we, we have um, some big waves where I live in, in California, so um, I remember just turning my head for one second, and um, chatting with my friend, I mean, like, one second, and I turned back, and my John was at the end of the, uh, you know, where the waves are, and a wave had just come and got him, and just swept him up, started taking him out, scared the, I mean, I never jumped up so fast in my life, you know, ran out there, and my daughter, who's, you know, she's so little, and we're running out there, diving in the water, and I'm trying to get to John, but every time I'm trying to get to John, another wave takes him out farther and farther, it's the scariest thing, even right now, my body temperature is changing, because it was so frightening, and I knew that I couldn't get to him, and we were screaming, and I, I could see the fear in his face, and, um, you know, this is what, you know, we surf and all, all that stuff. So we know the waters. And, um, and I remember just screaming. And then out of the blue, out of nowhere, this, this gentleman grabs John in the ocean and brings him to the shore. I, he disappeared. I don't even know. I don't care who it was. I don't care if it was an angel. I'll take it. I don't care. You know, whatever. I didn't, like, I was not going to have a debate on whether or not angels exist. You know, it's like, whatever that was or who that person was, God saved my boy. And I remember I'm, you know, shaking. We were all shaking and um, standing at the, on the sand there. And I was trying to, you know, have John go back to the water so he wasn't afraid of it. And um, I remember really clear the Lord said to me, that's what sin does to us. Like you just put your foot in and you're not thinking like it's that big of a deal. I don't, I mean, it was just out of the blue. And all of a sudden, the Lord starts giving me this analogy, like, this is how we get to places in our life that we never plan. It's like, all of a sudden, we just put our foot in, we're not really paying attention, then here's the enemy, and he just comes along, and he just takes us out. And before we know it, like, we're out somewhere, and we're addicted to God knows what, and we have behaviors coming out of our life, and we're like, how did I get here? And here's the thing. It's always those little, like, this isn't going to hurt. I can hold on to this. I don't need to forgive this person. They don't deserve it. Those are the little things where all of a sudden you'll wake up one day and you're like, who, who is this person? How did I get this angry? How did I get this bitter? People don't just wake up bitter. It's a process. Do you understand? So it's all these little decisions that actually we need to pay attention to. So to be in bitterness, it means to be defiled. It means to be polluted. It means to be contaminated. And a bitter person is unable to live at peace with others because they aren't at peace with themselves. 
They don't have the peace within. So how can they live at peace with other people, right? And we have these expectations like, what's wrong with you? Well, they're not at peace usually with themselves or whatever it is that they have walked through. And so when we hold on to things and we choose not to forgive, that's where we allow access for a bitter root to grow. And it, and it doesn't just affect us. It affects every, every, everything around us. So I want to speak into something that the, this is how powerful, actually, because God's bigger than all of it. So we need to remember that. We need to land there, which we will. But there are things that we need to be aware of and equipped in so that we are like kind of on guard of what steals God's presence in our life. And if you look at the scriptures and what the Bible says, do you realize that it's unforgiveness and bitterness that kills God's spirit moving in your life more than anything else? So I just want to give you some scriptures here because here's the truth. At the end of the day, you cannot live a powerful life without the spirit of God. You can't even forgive without the spirit of God. You can't even love God, you can't serve God, you can't love others, you can't do what it is that God has called you to do without the Spirit of God. You can, but you'll burn yourself out, and not only that, you'll make everybody else around you not like you, because you won't be fun. There's an element to the, to the practice of the presence of God that, that's part of staying on top of our heart and what enters our heart and what we allow in our heart that not only affects the people around us, but it affects our own spiritual walk with God and the power that God has called us to walk in. I'm totally convinced, you guys, as the church, I'm absolutely convinced that the church does not see what the church uh, wants to see because we, we live offended. That's the root. We live offended at God we live because of whatever reason. We live offended at society. We live offended at the church or other denominations. We live offended at our brothers and sisters. We live offended on why people act the way that they do. And then we're like, God, why don't you show up and you know, do miracles and signs and wonders? And God's like, well, yeah, but can you actually maybe just forgive your brother? We overcomplicate things. The, the Bible, the scripture is very clear about what steals God, God's presence in our life. And the enemy is fully aware that if he can ruin your relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit, because he is a person, by the way, you know, it's God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the person of the Holy Spirit. And we're called to build a relationship with all three. And the enemy is fully aware of what will steal God's presence in your life. Because he will always go after what has the most potential to change you and what has the most potential to change the people around you. And the enemy is always trying to steal God's presence from us and the power of the church. Because the truth is, you guys, as the church, without God's spirit, we will burn out and we will not be effective as we are called to be. And the enemy is fully aware. And the Bible talks about, so understand this really clear. The Bible talks about that as believers, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Like, think about this for a minute, okay? Hang with me here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you why this is all together. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So in the Old Testament, the temple was the place of visitation. It was the place where they would get their families together, they would take their children, they would go to the temple, they would, they would bring the lamb, the sacrifice, ask for, for forgiveness of sins. It was, like a, it was like a field trip. 
It was a really big deal. Going to the temple, that's the Old Testament in the Bible, right? New Testament is that you become the temple. You become the place of visitation. That's the difference. When Christ came and the curtain was torn in two, when the Old Testament, when people had to go to a priest in order to encounter God, New Testament is all that's changed. We have access to God the Father, Jesus' the Son, and the person of the Holy Spirit. We ourselves are the place of God's indwelling Spirit. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. What we carry and who we are. This is the place where God says, I'm looking for a place to dwell. Do you realize that? That's how powerful that is. That we are, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what God has called us into. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So if we've been bought with a price and our body is not our own, then why do we have so many arguments about God on whether or not we should be able to do what it is that we want to do with our life? We've been bought with a price. Your body belongs to another. Do you know the price that's been paid for you? Honor, right? So New Testament is that we're just... We're not just inviting God into the sanctuary. We're inviting God into us. It's a very important aspect of what God has, has uh, you know, given to us in his kingdom. So in, inviting God into the building is secondary to inviting God into our inner life. And you have a choice on how much of God's spirit that you want to have. And God's spirit, and here's the thing, the Holy Spirit, his first and primary call is not for power. His call, the Holy Spirit's call, is to bring glory to the Father and the Son. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. So read John 15, 16, 17, all right? I'm not going to do that to you tonight because I don't want to. Well, actually, maybe I will. No, I won't. I'm just kidding. But that's the person of the Holy Spirit. So how, how do we actually, you know, cripple ourselves in this life where we have less of God's power. Well, the Bible's very clear. Acts 7.51 says, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you're just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. That's New Testament. That's a message to believers. In other words, they were being stiff-necked. They were being stubborn. So when God comes to you and says, hey, you know that thing about your life? You know where I want you to forgive that person? How stubborn are you? How much do you resist them? How much do you find your body's not your own? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, how much do we spend time arguing and fighting God rather than just surrendering to God? This is a message to the church every time that the Holy Spirit is prompting you. Do you realize it's because he wants to bring you into another level of healing and restoration and redemption? Do you know that? It's, it's always to something better than what you have right now. So when God says, hey, I really want you to forgive. I want you to let go of that bitterness. How do you respond? Because the thing is, when we're responding with, with a stubbornness, we're fighting our own healing. We're fighting more of God's spirit. And when God convicts you, just know this. When God convicts you, it's always under transformation. 
the person of the Holy Spirit, one of his roles. He's not just our guide or counselor or paraclete, which means the one who comes alongside. He's, he's not just the one who empowers us or is closest to us. He's also the one who convicts us. And it's like we like the power side, but we don't like the conviction side. But part of you know, our power walk, so to speak, with God is that we allow ourselves to be convicted, which is not condemnation, by the way, Conviction and condemnation are two totally different things. You know that, right? Romans talks about that. That God doesn't condemn us, but he does convict us by his spirit because we belong to him. So he's like, you know, deal with that thing. Why? Because that infection oftentimes will ruin your life. So we have the power, just so you know this. You have the power and the choice. God gives us free will to resist the spirit of God. So if you're not seeing the power of God in your life in the way that you would like to see him, you have to ask your Lord, is there any area of my life where I'm resisting you? And then in Ephesians, if you want to turn there really quick, Ephesians, I mentioned this the other day, and I was like, ooh, the Lord's on that. Let me go back to that. Is here in the book of Ephesians also where Paul is talking about uh, the import, he's talking to the church, and he's basically, in summary, in chapter 4, he's giving them an insight of, this is how you're called to live as children of light. And he's talking about that we're called to live different, and you've got to be honest in your dealings, and don't put on a false front. Be forthright in who you are, that we're one body, that we're one church, you know, that we're called to live together. This is the Apostle Paul. I love him because he's so fatherly, and he's so good at uh, just kind of bringing everybody together and reminding them of what's important. And that's what he's doing here. And he's talking about how you talk in community and how you, how you talk to each other is really important, which has a lot to do with forgiveness and offense and, and bitterness, to be honest. And Paul's talking about the importance of, you know, being humble and being gentle and, you know, all those things that are important. In verse 26 of chapter four, he says, in your anger, do not sin. So that says you, you're going to be angry and to be angry is okay. But don't sin in it. He says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may be benefit. Uh, be a benefit to those who listen and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of all redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you. So we want to walk in power. Well, don't grieve the Spirit of God. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit of God? Well, we walk in the opposite where we, first of all, we give the enemy a foothold because in our anger, we begin to sin. How do we sin? How we talk to each other when it's not wholesome. When we gossip, when we badmouth, when we, you know, put our own, you know, selves above, uh, above other people. Do not give the devil a foothold. Do you know what a foothold means? It means an inhabited space. It means a power and it means a license. When Paul's talking here, he's saying, don't give the enemy 
license to steal God's power from your life. And how we do that is that we are what? Forgiving people. That we actually see the community that God has given to us. That we don't walk in unforgiveness because unforgiveness and bitterness contaminates our community as the church. That's what it does. It contaminates and it steals God's presence among us, right? And so much of the time we're like looking at other things of why we're not seeing God's power move. And at the end of the day, what have we empowered that has given license, that has allowed the enemy a foothold in our lives or in the church? We have to look at that because it's so very important because we have the power. This is kind of sobering to think of. We have the power by our choices to grieve the Spirit of God. So think about when somebody's grieving. Think about when somebody's grieving. Like, you know, it's like God is with us. His promise is that he will never leave you and that he will never forsake you. But there are different levels of empowerment that God gives to us. And when somebody's grieving, you know, they might be in the house, but they may not be in the same room. Like, the Spirit of God knows whether or not he's welcome. He's a person. How many know when you're welcome in a house or not? How many you know that the Holy Spirit is a gift? And gifts have to be opened. Gifts have to be received. The church operated for centuries without the Spirit of God. And what I mean by that is that he just wasn't welcome. It just wasn't a part of their plan. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, that's great. We'll take the Father. We'll take the Son. But if the Holy Spirit could just hang out over there, because we're not really interested in that. But then when we need power, and we're like, how come we're not seeing power? Well, in your own life, is there any area where you have given the enemy license by unforgiveness or bitterness? That's why it's not worth it, that we, by our choices, we can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Get rid of all bitterness, Paul says. Get rid of the rage. Get rid of the anger and the brawling and the slander. Does that not sound like culture? Like an offended culture. Everybody's fighting one another and fighting. We're not even listening to people's responses because we're so busy waiting to, you know, put our two cents in. Is that not true? So again, what the Hebrews, you know, writer said is that, you know, this bitterness is a cancer of the soul. So make every effort, Hebrews 12 said to us, make every effort to live in peace with all men and be holy uh, without holiness, or no one will see the Lord. See, it's a, no one misses the grace of God, and that no bitter root, you know, grows up and causes trouble and defiles many. In other words, Lord, would you give me grace to forgive? I don't want this infection in my life because bitterness will discourage and it will kill relationship, but it will also grow up and it will stir up and it will cause a lot of trouble. In other words, you cannot live as a bitter person and not, you know, and have a belief system that it's only affecting you. It's sin. Sin affects not just you, but the people around you. And there's two words here that are really hard. The writer in Hebrews, it says that we need to make effort with every and all. So when we talk about forgiveness, is there options of who we get to forgive? No, we're called to make effort with every and all. That means every person that God brings across our path that we're called to do life with, we got to put some effort into it. 
And how many know sometimes, you know, forgiving and not allowing bitterness, you have to be intentional and you have to put that effort into it so that that bitterness doesn't have that spillover effect. Because that's what the writer in Hebrews is saying here. You don't have to be actually bitter at your spouse to ruin your marriage. Do you know that? You don't have to be bitter towards your mom and dad to ruin your marriage. You don't actually have to be bitter at your children, you know, to get fired from your job. You could be bitter at something that happened to you 30 years ago. And the spillover effect is what the Hebrew writer is saying here is that the spillover is that you can actually be bitter at something over here, but it, it grows up and it defiles everything in your life. It just ruins everything. Bitterness ruins everything. And that's what he's saying here is it's like not even worth it. And it's impossible to be, you know, wrong with man and right with God. I mean, those go hand in hand, right? To be right with God is to be right with people. And to have a heart that's soft and it's forgiving is so important because that's not allowing ourselves to be defiled. And it's also choosing not to grieve the spirit of God. The word grieve there actually in Ephesians, it means to make one uneasy. It means to cause sorrow or to offend. Hello. We have like by our choices, we can offend the spirit of God. We can resist the spirit of God. That's very powerful, is it not? Like it's very sobering to know that sometimes our expectation of God's spirit, because he's so good to us, and he says, hey, listen, if two or more gathered, I can't help myself but show up, and he, he does, and he's so good, but I don't think we're seeing what we want to see because we still hold on to stuff that's contaminating the rest of our life. And there's things that grieve God's spirit, and we have to deal with those things. Otherwise, we give them a foothold. We give the enemy license. It's not worth it at the, end of the day, at the end of the day. Another warning that actually reminds us of the importance of why we don't want to live embittered is found in 1 Thessalonians. So if you want to turn there, this is chapter 5. Again, this is, this is the Apostle Paul, and he's talking about Again, getting along with each other. If you read through Ephesians 4, if you read through 1 Thessalonians 5, this all has to do with relationship. And he's talking about in verse 19, he says, Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. So again, he's talking about the importance of relationship. If you look up a little bit uh, above that in verse 13, he's talking about hold them in high regard and love because of their work. Live in peace. He's talking about your leaders. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong. How many know you only pay people back if you think they owe you something? And sometimes if it's coming from that place of holding on to unforgiveness, wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Translated, you know what that means? It means do not quench the Spirit of God. How do we quench God's spirit? Well, let's look. 
It says basically how we, are, how we are to interact with each other, how we're called to love one another. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. He's not talking about just prophecy in a sense. People take this text way out of context. In fact, you know, prophecies, there's so many bad teachings about prophecies. But the truth is, all prophecy means, which Paul's saying this in 1 Thessalonians, and he's saying it in Ephesians chapter 4. He's saying that we're called to encourage one another and build each other up. You know what that means? That means to prophesy. To prophesy literally means to build up, to bring comfort, and to bring exhortation. That's what it means to prophesy. And so Paul's doing it again here. Build each other up, which is basically like encourage one another. Put courage in, inside your friends. Encur you know, walk alongside them. Encourage the idol. Be kind to one another. Test everything. Hold on to the good. In other words, take the meat but spit out the bones. Like don't lose your mind when somebody actually believes something different than you. Just take the best of what God is saying to you. And then he says, don't quench God's spirit. So by our choices, we have the power to grieve and quench. The word quench literally means to stop the flow of. What does the Holy Spirit do? He flows. He moves. He's a wind. He's a bird. I'll tell you this. I don't care who tells you they have a formula for the Holy Spirit. He is a person. And you cannot tell the wind how to blow or a bird how to fly. He will move however he's going to move. And he says that. He's going to do whatever he's going to do. You can stop the flow of God's spirit in your life by how you behave in your relationships with the people around you. And what is the thing that stills our relationships more than anything else? Holding on to offense. Not living in freedom. Just, you know what I mean? Not believing the best. Those simple things, they quench and they grieve the spirit of God. I am a big believer. I'm telling you, I'm I, just, I know this. I know this with everything that's in me. And I could always be wrong, but I don't think I am. <laughs> I really don't think we see what we want to see in the church because we are holding on to things that grieve and quench the spirit of God. And he's a good God, and he does show up. But boy, church, we have so much to see. And all revivals, all renewals are preceded by repentance. Repentance, where we actually see, is there any area of my life that I'm actually not living at peace? That doesn't mean the other people around me will live at peace, but I'm going to live at peace. Like, you may not want to, but I'm going to, as long as it depends on me, I'm going to try to live at peace. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, as long as it lands on me, I'm going to do my best to, to be as kind as I can to you. Some people make that extremely hard. Some make it extremely hard for you to show kindness to them. Is that not true? Like, some make it, it just, that's just people. But as long as it depends on me, you know why? I made this decision a long time ago, and this because this is what I realized. I realized that I could either have more of God's spirit or I could be right, but I can't have both. I can't have both, and I've like realized like what hills are important for me to actually die on. Do you know what I mean by that? Do you say that over here? Like what at the end of the day, like what? What things are the most important things? Because I think sometimes we land on things that at the end of the day, they really don't matter. And what Paul's saying here, all through these scriptures, actually, the writer, it, it, Hebrews, Ephesians, 
1 Thessalonians, all of these scriptures of what we have as a guidebook for us all have to do with, like, give yourself the gift. I said it this morning. To forgive means to hurl away. It means to free yourself. And when we do that, we're also inviting the Spirit of God to come in and inhabit that place in us. So here's like a visual picture, okay? I'm a visual person. Is that you can either hold on to that unforgiveness and that bitterness that will just grow and defile you and the rest of your life. Or that area in your life can have more of God's power. But it can't have both. And you have to decide what's most important. Is God's presence most important? Or is being right most important? Is forgiving most important? And having God move in, in you and through you in ways that you've never seen before? Or is it you know, trying to punish somebody who did you wrong? Like it's not worth it. And I'm a big advocate for speaking up for those who can't speak for themselves. I'm a big advocate. I don't think silence is a fruit of the spirit. I think that's a bad theology. Um, but I also know that so, uh, most things at the end of the day, they're just not worth it. Like I don't want to stay awake at night and have an argument with somebody. You know what I mean? I'd rather, as long as it depends on me, I want to, I want to be a peaceful person. And the world that we live in, church, and what we're, what we're in right now and what's coming. You think we're living in an offended world now? That's going to get worse. We've got to equip ourselves. We've got to be ready. We've got to fight smart. We've got to be quick to forgive. We've got we to know the dangers of bitterness. We've got to know how the enemy will gnaw at you. Did you say that over here? Gnaw? Boy, that's quite a visual, isn't it? Now the enemy will just, just keep going at you and going at you and going at you. you got to recognize those things so you don't allow him to have any power. You don't give him license. You just say, not here. That's not going to happen. And sometimes you got to do that several times. Is that not true? Isn't that a good reminder? Ephesians chapter 4. Stay with me, church. Are you with me? Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians 5. Hebrews chapter 12, is that 12? Hebrews chapter 12. And my encouragement is read through those things and not allow the enemy to come in and steal any of God's presence from your life. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand? I can't, like, see the clock at all. I got all. Well, that's enough of me. Let's pray. Let's just pray for a sec. Lord, we just we thank you for your presence here. Pray for yourself for a minute. You know you should pray for yourself every day. I pray for myself every day. <laughs> like just me and Jesus. Like so many times, like we, we think other people have to pray for us. No, you can pray for yourself. Like pray for yourself and how you pray for other people. Lord, we thank you for your, your presence that's here right now. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have whatever you require. You provide what we need in order to live in the way that you've called us to live. I pray, Lord, that you would help us as long as it depends on us, Lord, that we would be a peaceful person. 
that we would be a person that's free of offense. And Lord, that we would be quick to forgive. Lord, put that so inside of us. Lord, quick to forgive. Lord, help us to recognize, Lord, any area where we've given the enemy license. Lord, help us to just be quick to recognize. And Lord, we just want to say that we want more of your spirit. We want you to, we want you to have reign in our life. We want you to have power over every aspect of who we are. And I pray, Lord, just do this real quick. I, between you and the Lord, I'm going to do it myself. Lord, I just pray that you just forgive me, Lord, for any area of my life that I am holding on to anything, whether I'm aware of it or not, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would forgive me, that you would wash me clean again. And I pray, Lord, that you'd show me any area of where I've given the enemy license. Any area, Lord, where I have given the enemy a foothold. Just ask the Lord for a minute. It's important that you hear the Lord for yourself, for you. Now just come, Holy Spirit, and show us. Show us, teach us. Lord, show us any area where we have held an offense against you, against the church, against a family member. When the Lord shows you something, just ask him to forgive you. Just pray, Lord, that you forgive. Lord, wash me clean again. I pray, Lord, that where there's uh, any bitter root, Lord, that's... um, any bitter root, Lord, that's growing, I pray, Lord, that for each and every person in this room, that you begin to speak to them even over the course of this week, that you speak to them about their life, about their relationships, about what's in their hearts. Lord, you are so faithful to speak to us and show us, uh, Lord, the things that matter. And this matters to you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that um, over each and every person here, Lord, that you just remind us that we are the temple of your presence, of your spirit. Lord, remind us the privilege of what we have. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us your power. Lord, just I pray, Lord, that you would, uh, Lord, help us to live free of offense as we go forward. I pray that we're just quick to recognize things. I pray that over these people. I pray this over this church. I pray this over the leaders. I pray, Lord, that this would be a healthy community, just healthy, that chooses your, your presence, 
above everything else. I pray, Lord, that you honor, Lord, where they've honored you and where they've, where they've given you room, Lord, to move. And I pray, Lord, that you would move all the more. I pray, Lord, for the people that want to come through the doors of this church, Lord, that are so full of condemnation and guilt that they would feel and experience and encounter your forgiveness. And, Lord, that you would bring restoration, uh, Lord, to, to families and to communities. And, Lord, to the, to the whole area. I pray, Lord, that this church would be known as a church, not of, of, you know, judgment, but a place of love and forgiveness and hope and healing. Lord, let that just be marked over this church that people that are in the most struggle would feel the safest here. Help us, Lord, to forgive those that don't know how to talk, uh, you know, Christian yet. Or, Lord, who say things that we just don't understand. Lord, help us just to be quick to forgive. I pray, Lord, that you just bring so many people in this church building that will encounter you. And, Lord, that they would empower, uh, be empowered for life. And, Lord, many for ministry. We thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness that you've given to us. Lord, help us be good stewards of what you've given to us.